what up this is alternate take i am your host danny rodriguez welcome back to the show on this episode we brought you guys comedian darren carter and it was a pleasure man um i've been a fan of darren's for a while now i first heard of him and i mentioned this on the interview that i heard of him on a podcast with joey diaz and lisa Hatt on the church of what's happening now years ago like 2015 16 and i've been a fan of his ever since and it wasn't about till last month on a sunday in uh in whittier california where i was day drinking and a random comedy show popped up and i got to meet darren there in person so now i can say that we're friends and it was a great interview man and he's such a good dude man he has his own podcast called the pocket party podcast and he's going on tour soon he's filming his own special soon so the dude's just all around talent man and it was a great time so without further ado i bring to you comedian darren carter alternate take fans what is up today we brought you the great comedian darren carter what is up man what's up man thanks for having me on and uh dude it's great to see you and Man, I was so surprised when I did that show how packed it was on a Sunday in Whittier. Like it was, I mean, I knew it was going to be good because it's always going to be good when you work with Sebastian. Like he always just brings out like the party crowd. People like to laugh. But it was like there was like no empty tables or chairs. I was I ended up standing in the back. I'm like, <laughs> And then when you came up to me and you're like, hey, I heard you on a podcast, Joey Diaz. I was like, dang, this is going to be good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, dude, it was weird for me. I was just a random Sunday chilling across the street, uh, getting a little cigar. And then I saw the bar. I was like, I haven't, really, I haven't been in Uptown Woody in a long time. So I saw that bar. I was like, that shit looks new. And I went to go check it out. And I couldn't even get in at first. They're like, every table's full. You know, we're having a little event. I was like, all right, whatever. And they're like, hey, we got one table opens up. And like 30 minutes later, they're like, there's a comedy show going on. I was like, dude, what the hell? Where am I, dude? Like, I, it was not <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't know what was going on, but um, man, you guys killed it, dude. Absolutely. I appreciate the shirt too. Party starter. What's up? What's up? Oh everybody? yeah. Look, I got mine on too. Party starter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I remember that I was a, I was a big church fan back in the day, you know, uh, Joey Diaz, uncle Joey. And uh, I remember hearing you on the, on the podcast a couple of times, I think like two or three. Yeah, the church of what's happening now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was man. great. I mean, he's got a huge audience. So that was like something that, you know, you do it and you start getting all these messages and follows. And it's really it shows the impact of 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 I guess like podcasting or, you know, people like I wouldn't say social media. I guess it is social media in a sense, but um, especially someone like Joey who's really popular you know, with the Joe Rogan connection and then his story and stuff. And man, it, it was an honor to go on there. Like, and uh, it was funny because I know I've known Joey since the nineties and they, um, I mean, uh, you know, those guys go deep. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't smoke weed or anything like that. So it was interesting <laughs> to be like, okay, I'm going to be myself and go on here. And uh, I've seen a few other guys do that too, like Steve Simone or something. And I'm like, okay, it could be done. I don't have to be like that. That just goes to show people like, don't, feel like you have to have peer pressure like you know like let's say you do some drinking podcast and you don't want to drink you, you could still you could still do it if you want to but just be like i always tell them straight up like i'll be drinking i'll be drinking coffee you know like <laughs> absolutely i'm gonna get pumped up with my rocky mo you know <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like yeah i'm with you on that and i and obviously it's it goes unsaid but i think they respect 
a dude who has his own kind of mindset on shit anyways you know when you have you yeah own, like that's why they have you on you know because you're you're your absolutely own you're different and it's it's beautiful man and that's something you kind of don't realize until you well i didn't realize and as much fully until i got a little older you know when i was young i kind of knew it because i did have friends that were like oh darren he just he just do your thing darren but then there's every now and then you're in a situation you know how it is where people are like come on man we're gonna and then you realize like nah, i don't need to you know like <laughs> yeah oh you know? absolutely man i couldn't agree more especially in socal man it's nothing but nothing but trouble to be had here when you're a kid man fun times i know did you grow up here in uh, southern california yeah, Whittier's my hometown. I just oh wow, been, yeah, I just hadn't been back there in a long time, and I was like, this is, and it's funny, dude. Like when you leave Whittier, you act like you fucking went like miles across the country. I just went like two cities over. It just <laughs> feels like it feels like you're yeah. gone. Like you don't go back. You just like ah, like I grew up there. I don't need to. I don't need to be around. But I haven't actually had like hung out socially, and especially in uptown Whittier, in like probably mm. ten years. So that was a, uh, it's a good experience, man. Whittier, Whittier's always been a good comedy town. Like for comedians, like I remember when I moved to LA back in 95, um, I remember there was a place called Q's Billiards in Whittier. Yeah. And on, on Greenleaf in Philadelphia, there was a few other places. I mean, through the years, like all the time, even now, like even like pre-COVID, like 2018, 2019, there was, I, I never, I don't know where they're at. I just know like you get booked. I type in the GPS, boom, <laughs> I get there. You know what I mean? Like it's like some kind of hall. There's like a big hall and so like one side there's like a wedding or something and then the other side is like a jam-packed comedy show like a fundraiser for pico <laughs> rivera high school or something you know yeah, yeah. yeah no, you know? i we interviewed uh uh willie barcena and um and lee i remember lee syatt when he was from from the church too and he was talking about like yeah doing open mics because joey convinced him that he would some he would do down here um, I remember Willie said down here, Alhambra, like East LA, like any, oh yeah, you know, all those areas, man. Oh Great. yeah, I used to always do like Alhambra, Montebello. There was a you know that place called uh, Wild Coyotes, yeah, in in Montebello. Then I think they changed the name to Tortillas, and before that it was Gotham's. Yeah, like I think nice. Rudy's or, or TQs or whatever. The fuck oh yeah, yeah, TQs. Yep, yep. I remember I did this one place in Pico Rivera where the the all the security wore like i think there was a sh i think there was like a shooting or something so when i got there uh there was like all the guys are like a swat team they're wearing all black like just straight up black with guns and you're like this is kind of scary all those places are scary the first time you go and then you realize like oh everyone just laughs and it's good comedy and i mean even that place we were in in whittier i wouldn't say it was scary but it definitely remember they were making they were kind of joking around with the the one guy that had the giant mustache that was like, oh yeah, <laughs> they were like, he looks like this guy just got out of prison. He was like, you know, so you do have that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, hmm, I didn't, I didn't see that at Bob's Big Boy in Burbank. You know, yeah, like, roasting, roasting gangsters can go one or two ways for sure. If they have yeah. a humor, then it's all fun. But if not, oh, I know, messy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I usually it's gone good. Like I remember my friend, like okay, when I first came to LA. I remember I got a lot of respect from comedians. Uh, they always bring it up, especially Johnny Sanchez. He went on to Mad TV. He's like, dude, I'll never forget, man. We were in like, like East LA, like Montebello or something. I think it was Montebello. And he goes, uh, he goes, and there's all these cholos in the front row. And you were like, you were, you were like, because I see this thing where I, I talk about looking like Bart Simpson. <laughs> And I'd go, I used to have like my, I'd spike my hair up and I'd be like, I go, Hey, I look like Bart Simpson. And I'd go like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then if the and everybody would laugh and then i knew it was extra funny to like lean in to somebody and be like come on man laugh and i'd go yeah 
And he goes, dude, you were like getting in these Cholos faces during the bar. And like, they were cracking up. And he goes, I was like, who is this dude? You know, like, oh, shit. And it's, it's funny. Cause I, I look back now and I'm like, yeah, I probably still would do it again, but there's certain things you just, you realize like, you know, like, especially when you see like these videos where people are like jumping up on stage, trying to fight comedians. I'm like, okay, you got to let people know, you know, yeah, Wilson but, fucked it up for everybody. Fucking guy. Exactly. I know. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, man. Well, dude, tell me tell me the beginning, man. How'd you get into comedy and where'd you start? You know, I started, I grew up in Fresno, California. I grew up in Fresno. It's like uh, it's like the Whittier of the Central California area. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, so I started in Fresno and I used to make a lot of my friends laugh and everybody was like, you should be a comedian. You should get into it. And then I actually started writing down little ideas when I was about 15. I would and back then it was just funny ideas. I wasn't writing anything real or anything. It was just like, what if this happened? What if that happened? Can you imagine? And I would, it would just give me a chance to do voices. And then I, I got into a class in 11th grade. I remember in 10th grade, my teacher, uh, she was like, all right, if you guys finish up your, your work in time, we'll let Darren come up and do five minutes at the end of class. <laughs> so I'd, I, yeah, I'd go up and do my little parodies or my voices or whatever I was doing. And then I joined a speech team and that really got me to learn how to organize my thoughts and present. And, and uh, I would do the, these 10 minute speeches, these competitive speeches It's called original prose and poetry. We called it forensics, but it was the speech and debate team and, or forensics, depending on what part of the country you lived in and did that for a couple of years in high school, went to community college and community college uh same thing i got to compete at the state level and go to like the state finals and the nationals and and i and at that time i was sort of i, I started really you know i I, I i took this variety arts class and there was a comedian in the class and he's like hey i go down to the comedy store down in la and it kind of just put this plant this seed in my head where i i'm like wow maybe i could be a comedian because i also thought maybe at that time i could be like a morning radio dj um, because back then, like DJs were usually the funny ones, like in the morning, like the morning show or the afternoon drive. Although I wasn't looking forward to, you know, living in different. A lot of times they would live in a city and then they'd get fired and have to move to like Alaska, then move to New York. And I didn't want to, I, I knew I didn't want to live like that. But um, so I was doing comedy. I was working at a radio station. I was going to community college. And um from there, there was a audition at Fresno City College, and the audition was from Great America up in Santa Clara, the Bay Area. And they said, "We're we're going to try something with variety artists. If you know, we need jugglers, you know, stilt walkers, puppeteers, all this kind of stuff." And and this is way before cell phones, so people were bored in line at roller coasters. <laughs> so you know, I remember this is like 1990, and yeah. so they were. So I got hired. I actually made. It. I booked the audition. I moved to the Bay Area to be a comedian in line and like entertaining people in line for roller coasters. And dude, it was really hard. It was really hard because, because <laughs> they're sitting there. It's like, you know, you got to mention groups of like young ladies, you know, in their teens and some guy walks up, Hey everybody, I'm a comedian, you know, and what would it be like if Popeye was a stripper? Well, it blows me down. I couldn't be hipper. Shimmer be timbers. I'm a Chippendale stripper. You know, or, Kermit the Frog and I'm covered in green. Miss Piggy is fat. That's F-A-T, but it's my prerogative. <laughs> you know her. Bull Winkle. I am a moose. Give me the mic and I'll cut loose because me so horny. <laughs> so, man, I mean, this is how old long ago this was, right? And uh, 
So I got that job and uh, I pretty much got fired that after the, the, you know, like three months into it. Cause it was, you know, they're like, this isn't working. <laughs> and, uh, <Yeah. laughs> and, but I was, but it got me up there. It got me into the Bay area. And then I started hitting the, like the punchline comedy club, Tommy T's comedy club, any like one nighter, they were like, Hey, here's, you know, 200 bucks, go to Stockton, California. Here's 200, go to Modesto, go, you know? And then I, I, I learned to like take my comedy and, and get better at it. And then, Eventually, I ended up moving to uh, San Diego, and from there, I started auditioning for commercials and movies. I drive up to LA, like I wasn't—I didn't feel like I was ready for LA, and I still wanted all the stage time. So, uh, once I booked a movie and, and I booked a national uh, commercial for Miller Beer, I was like, "Okay, this is the time." And then Mitzi Shore passed me at the Comedy Store, and then I moved to LA and. And uh, it, I got to be honest, the first year was really hard because I'd gone from like lots of stage time, headlining little one nighters, you know, featuring at clubs to, to, you know, back here. It was like, whoa, so many comedians and, mo- and a lot and a lot of them that at least at the, the in the beginning that I, the, the entry level where I had to start, um, I was, you know, they weren't that good. So it's like, com- you know, just like I'd be at the Laugh Factory waiting to get on you because you had to go there on Tuesdays and out of the 20 people in line, like there might've at that time, I felt like there might've been three that were experienced. And then the rest were either nut jobs, wackos, or just people that were like, yeah, I'm an actor. And I thought I could try this. It's another way to get me, you know? So it, it, it was a strange world. It was depressing the first year, you know, that first year, but I kept getting breaks. You know, I kept, you know, the, I, I got in at the Laugh Factory. You know, like I said, Mitzi was giving me spots at the Comedy Store. And uh, you just you just develop. You just keep developing and getting better. And it's it was a crazy time, too, because on one hand, you know, you're working with, you're in, you're in line at these open mics or whatever, or with people that are barely been doing it. or and then, and then you might rub elbows with, like, Damon Wayans or you know, Robin Williams or whatever. So you're like, dang, this is crazy. Like I could either be this guy or that guy. Like I just, cause you could see it both. You could see the people that n- never made it and they struggled and, and you feel like I, that could easily be me. Or, or you could see the comics that are, you know, like blowing up and even your peers, people that like, you know, were at your level or maybe started like after you, like they blew up and you're like, Whoa. So you just have to maintain, uh, a peaceful mind. (laughs) I think that's like the cool part about comedy clubs is like when you, it's not like going to a baseball game where there's a separation between the fan and the ball players. Like when I went to this, when I first got like really deep into comedy and started going to like a, you know, the comedy store, like Brit improv or whatever. I remember going to the comedy store and like going to take a piss in the middle of a set. And then I saw like, like on the way there, it was like Chris Dilley and Dean Delray just like bullshitting in the hallway. And you're just walking right past them. You're like, I'm I paid to watch these dudes. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're just like right next to them. And you're just like, I don't know if like, you know, it's it's strange. You kind of like realize who you are in that moment. Like, are you a fan dude? Are you uh, you know, are you your own kind of person? Are you just like, hey man, good luck, keep walking, you know? it's I don't know. It's but it but it was like surreal because I didn't expect that. I was like, Oh shit, all right, cool. I guess this is how it fucking goes down here, you know, and it's yeah, it's interesting to see how like before the show, some people don't even recognize them. Then they go, they murder, and after that, everyone's asked for a picture and shit. You know, it's um, yeah, it's a very interesting thing to be at the comedy store and see that man. I, you know, getting passed by Mitzi, that's like a badge of honor in any in comedy. That's like if you've done that, 
it's like what you hear every comedian talk about. I mean, what do you think about the um, the Comedy Store documentary? I thought it was, I thought it was great, and I hope they'll make another one. You know, about the different time because because the Comedy Store is like this. Uh, it's like its own beast, you know, it's like somebody described it once as the Navy, you know, it's like you're in the Navy and maybe your time was like those four to eight years and then you moved on and, but that ship keeps sailing. So it's like, cause there was definitely a time, you know, that I don't think they really depicted that well. Um, the dead years, you know, like, yeah. And, that, and there was probably even years before that, that I didn't know about, but like, there was, you know, like the end of the nineties, the early two thousands, like that's, you know, that's kind of when I was there, like a lot of the end of the nineties, I used to go there a lot. I still, I go back, I, I started coming back about 10 years ago, but there was a time where I'm like, you know, some of the comics would <clears throat> go on stage and uh, like the big name acts and they would do like three hours on stage and just bump everybody. So you wouldn't even get on. So if other opportunities came up, you're like, you know what, I'm going to go to this other club across town or I'm going to start doing colleges or whatever. But um it's interesting what you said about comedians because you're right. Like you, you don't really see that with like music, you know, like you're not, you're not going to see like the Rolling Stones and, you know, Mick Jaggers in the, the restroom, you know, <laughs> or, or hanging out in the lobby. Hey, look, Oh my gosh, there's Prince. You know, it's like comedy. We're very usually accessible. And then, and I, I think it's like, a, it kind of goes with the nature of what's happening now as well. Cause I do remember, you know, back in the day when some of the bigger comedians, <clears throat> they would want to have like that mystique where they do their set and then they hide out in the green room. And I remember this one guy, this one headliner back in the day, you know, like in the nineties, I remember him, he would do his set and then hide in the green room. And everybody that wanted an autographed CD, the doorman had to like write down their names on a slip of paper and then stick it under the door and he would write it and then he would pass it back to the door. Like he didn't want to touch anybody. He didn't want to see anybody. He didn't want to, he wanted to keep that mystique and he wasn't a people person, but nowadays you almost have to be a people person or something, right. With like, you know, doing your vlogs, your podcasts, your YouTube channel, your meet and greets. Yeah, man. It's all, it's all at your fingertips now, which is crazy. I mean, you're all your own marketer now for all this stuff man it's it's a lot how's that for you man that seems that's another thing is like the easiest part is just doing the comedy in the sense like where you're like finally yeah. you have to go on stage and do your bits and relax but everything else that comes with it the podcast like having to get interviews for the podcast you know um having to book dates and all this stuff and some people do it without agents it, it's a lot man that's it's it's you're your own person doing all this shit yeah you know it's it's uh i guess i come from uh Sometimes it could be a little overwhelming, you know, but um, I, I also go back to the attitude of gratitude because I remember when there was none of this and all you had, you were just waiting for eight o'clock to do your set. You're just like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. there were some people that could, you know, like Judd Apatow, like they would write scripts during the day, but I was never that kind of guy. So I was always like, man, I wish there was something else we could do. And, <laughs> and so to have this, I'm like, yes. So every morning I wake up, I drink my coffee. I, I look at my, you know, my, my comedy like sets and I I'll edit something and then put it out there on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube shorts, Facebook reels. I put them all out there and you know, then I'll, you know, I, same thing with the podcast. I'm on like episode. I, I've done 246 episodes of the, of the pocket party podcast, you know, and, <laughs> and it's like, it's something that I'm like, it can be work. I'll tell you when it was work during the pandemic, when, um, you know, harder to book a guest, uh, you know, well, number one, it was, you had to do it 
all through Zoom or phone call. At least I did. Um, and you know, I wasn't in LA that often. We, you know, we we decided to go back up to uh, to a, near Fresno. We have a farm near Fresno. My wife's family does, and so we'd go up there, and it was freedom. I mean, you could like ride bikes, you could go around, you could. You know, there's just, you're out in the wood. It was awesome to be out in the boonies compared to how when LA, they were shutting, you know, like, we're going to shut down the skate parks and the parks. And you can't do this. <laughs> and you can't do that. And it was like zombie apocalypse, as they say. It was depressing as hell. So, but up there, you're like, oh, wow, at least I can go outside. And, you know, this is great, you know. And uh, so, but however, the, there's they're, they're the closest Wi-Fi, like real Wi-Fi, because I could do it on my phone, but the like real Wi-Fi to upload videos was uh you know like i had to drive into the nearest town and 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 the first time i did it i was driving 15 miles to the start and then i found there was another starbucks that i could use their wi-fi at a different town and that was when it was work because i mean i wasn't working in a coal mine but i'm telling you man it would be they wouldn't let you in the starbucks so you'd have to be in the parking lot in your car with the laptop uploading this file and it would take like two and a half hours you know, and this, and you gotta remember, it gets over a hundred degrees out there, so it's super hot. And I'm sitting here, you know, it would say like two hours and twenty minutes, and then you're sitting here going, <laughs> "Is this thing even funny?" Like, <laughs> I hang you know, out like, at Starbucks for two hours and twenty minutes, and I think I'm a raper, so a fucking murderer. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was worse because I couldn't even go in the Starbucks; they wouldn't let you in, so you'd be in the car in the parking lot, and then, and then eventually, I found a Starbucks where, like, at least it was shade, and you could park in the shade. And then eventually they would, you know, they uploaded it. And I mean, I'm sorry, they, um, they let you come into this. And that was like heaven. I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, there's air conditioning, there's music playing. I could drink coffee. It still would take a long time, but at least you're like sitting down in a comfortable place. And then, you know, once I, so that's another thing. I'm, I appreciate all the like great Wi-Fi we have in LA. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. All mental work is always harder than physical work. It just always will be. I mean, like, there's something to be said for you know doing like hard labor jobs and all that. But I mean, your body gets used to that, and so does your mind. Eventually, it just doesn't become exhausting anymore. You know, you can be a construction worker and it's brutal for your body for two three years and yep. so eventually it's not you get used to it yeah like, okay, yeah but mental work is tough having to read a few chapters of a book that you really don't even want to fucking read having right, to right. jokes you know having to convince yourself you know just to even go on stage man i have i have friends that are like first responders that are way more afraid to go on stage than they are to go and face like crime or run into a fire or shit mm. like that you know because it, it really is scary man it's a lot of work like it was interesting here you describe how you knew you wanted to do it when you're young, like or just be yeah. involved in the entertainment industry because yeah. it's easier for people to see, like, oh, that kid's gonna be in the entertainment industry. I can tell he has that personality. But for you to know it is also different. And to like go, nah, conventional shit, not really interested, really want to try that. And I think the biggest thing that's most impressive to most people is not necessarily the balls to try something like that. It's it's the balls to know I don't even have a security blanket in life and I don't give a fuck. I just, it makes me happy. Right. That's the most impressive thing to me because everyone else is like, I need insurance. I need fucking a paycheck. I need something. And you know, and it, it doesn't guarantee that you'll get to where you want to go when you do that. Cause now you're kind of half-assing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. You just, you know, like you just make it sort of like your daily habit, I think. And once it becomes a habit, then you're just, you're already in it. And it's, uh, you know, then you you kind of make connections that way too. Like people know, especially with the internet, like I said, like, before you'd have your, 
your peaks, you know, like they, they'd see me on like, you know, different TV shows I did, you know, or like, Oh, you know, or, or even when it was rerunning and then they, Oh, I got a book there and or I got to reach out. But nowadays it's like, you know, you're, you're, you can be out there all the time and clips are floating and getting passed around. And yeah. You know, and you never know, man. I was, well, what about the, one of the show, um, my fucking nosy friends, my TMZ loose lips fucking friends were telling uh, Sebastian after the show, they're like, hey, this guy has a podcast. And he also did stand up a couple of times. And I was like, dude, I'd fucking relax in the stand up a couple of times. Shit. Like, I only did it just to prove myself <laughs> yeah, yeah. in my head, you know, like to see if I can do it. And and then and he's like, oh, OK, you, you know, you want to open for me next month? I was like, Jesus Christ. That's why you don't tell fucking people that shit, because now I have pressure. <laughs> now I got to do it. It's a loss. But that's how you make connections, man. You go around and. um Right. And the main thing is just being genuine too, man. I think everyone knows when you're like a fake or when you're like a, I don't know, when you're just using people for their for their status or whatever. I think that shit sucks. And especially in this entertainment industry, there's a lot of that. So, um, you know, especially with this, you know, you do interviews all the time. You know, you want people to leave the interview feeling happy, feeling good, you know, like that mm-hmm. they had a good time and that you actually give a shit about what they had to say and whatnot. Absolutely. You sure do, man. Like um, how, how many episodes have you done? shit i've a lot you know i think published now like i've deleted a shit ton because it was the it started off with me just ranting to nobody for like 45 minutes you know um kind of like a bill burr chris Delia type thing and then i started interviewing my friends i thought that was fun and it was mm. a good time and then just get one big guest got lucky enough for that to happen and then just now it's just literally anybody like you like people that are like you know well, That's cool. who have done some good shit. And so all my old ones, I have them all like in my iTunes and shit, but they're all, they're like not officially published anymore, but. Oh, wow. But yeah, I would say easily over 200. Um, and now, but like officially probably up there, like, you know, 80 something, I don't know, something like that. Yeah. See, it makes it easier, right? The, the, the more you do it, the more you get like the hang of it. And, you know, especially yeah. now with like the, the zoom style or, cause I, I, I bought this, uh, it's, it's called a zoom, um, a totally different zoom, but it's called the zoom recorder. It's a zoom what's it called again? The zoom P4. Yeah. The pod track P4. And, um, it's great because it allows you to use it as a, uh, has four inputs. You can have like, you know, four different, you know, three different guests four four, including yourself, um, an interface. So it, it enables you to have a cord that reaches the computer. That's why I can like, you know, sound like this. Yeah. And then also it does, there's like a, a Bluetooth wireless thing. So I can, I can do podcasts like over the phone. Oh shit. That's and, huge. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there's a podcast. There's one uh, guest that I do. We just do phone calls because uh, it's just easier that way. <clears throat> I feel like there's like less pressure being on camera and like I can look stuff up and sometimes we'll talk. I'm, you know, I could tell there's like a little bit more of a flow as opposed to like, I get, I mean, I don't know. And, and I didn't notice that much of a difference between an on-camera interview and then the phone call there might, I mean, it, you would think there would be, but it hasn't. So yeah, you know, absolutely, man. Well, dude, tell me your uh, plans for the future, man. I want to know like what you're doing spot soon. And, uh, you know, what, what's, uh, what's coming soon for uh, Darren Carter, man. Well, well uh, September 2nd, I'm going to drive to Bakersfield, California. And this place called this, it's called the well comedy club. And it's brand new. I've I've heard great things about it, and especially uh, a month ago, or I'm sorry, a month ago. No, last week. I was, that's how time flies. Uh, last week I was in Florida, and that was an all day travel day, man. You're just like, man, like like that flight because the 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 time that it would get me there would be after the show, so I had to go in a day early, and then 
So anytime I can drive a hundred miles north, I'm like, yes, this is great. (laughs) Back when you learned how to freaking roast cholos and shit in Fresno. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and I'm just gonna keep keep you know pumping out my stuff on my YouTube channel. It's growing like crazy. Thank God, finally, you know you. I had some luck with some videos take off and it brought more people to the channel. And it's just on YouTube. It's Darren Carter, D-A-R-R-E-N Carter. And my podcast is called Pocket Party, the Pocket Party podcast. And other than that, man, I'm just going to keep working on my stuff and getting ready for a special I'm filming in October. And uh, so I got to do two things. I got to organize the set, which I pretty much have. And then I want to try to lose another like five pounds, maybe 10 pounds, just so you're not. (laughs) self-conscious up there. You know what I mean? Where you're like, ah, my belly's sticking out. Like, I don't want it to be any of that. I don't want it to be. <laughs> yeah. That'll you know? actually mess up your co- if, if I don't look good when I go out in public in general, I don't even want to fucking go out. I don't want to waste my breath right. about that the whole time. I'd rather just stay home and be, be miserable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> like it's okay if your clothes fit right, but if you're constantly like pulling your shirt off your belly, cause you're like, I just don't want that. And I, and I love to eat. That's the thing I can, I exercise, like I love exercising, but I, I also love eating. So I gotta, you know, <laughs> I, I gotta curb that man. And there's, and you know what, man, like, especially when you're trying to watch your weight, you realize there's something good thrown at you every single day. Oh yeah. It's like, when always- you get, it's like when you get a girlfriend, all of a sudden there's pussy everywhere. You're like, what the fuck is going on, man? Right. Hey. It's the same thing. It's just like the right. everywhere. Like there's like, you know, yesterday was our anniversary. So my wife and I, it's like, you know, so there's like, you know, the anniversary dinner, there's a, you know, anniversary cake. And then, and then next week it's going to be a birthday cake. And then there's <laughs> going to be another birthday cake in September. And there's always, but that's just, those are like, that's, you know, that's what's, or, but I'm talking about even on my own where I'm like, everyone's asleep and I'm raiding the fridge and I'm melting cheese and I'm, you know, going to the cupboard. I got to stop that. <laughs> you know, where are you, where are you filming your special brother? Utah. It's this company called dry bar and these dry bar specials have really taken off, I guess. Like they've been doing them for about seven or eight years and, and they get millions of views. There's a whole, you know, I, I knew a guy that did a Netflix special. Actually, let me take that back. He, he filmed a special and then he sold it to Netflix. And I guess if you do it that way, Netflix isn't as, interested in promoting it so they didn't really promote it like that he said he did this dry bar special and he said he goes i I literally put my set together on the airplane on the way there i was like yeah whatever you know and then he said that's the one that blew up it got like you know four (laughs) or five million views he's like whoa he's done another one with them and uh i did i was in a i was in an uber recently and the uber driver asked me that he goes he goes hey have you ever done a dry bar like which is funny because people used to say you ever done an hbo special and then then it switched over to comedy central then netflix so the fact that just a random stranger who's unrelated to the comedy business asked about dry bar i'm like "Mm, maybe there's something there like hell anyways yeah it's like anytime you can get in front of like high quality cameras and present your art that's a good thing yeah, it's an open market now. I mean, I just like Schultz did his on his own website. Like, yeah, I mean, there's Amazon, there's Hulu, there's freaking CISO, there's all kinds of stuff. So that's good, man. I'm happy for you, man. And um, I'm excited for you, man. You're one of my favorite comics. Thank you. Thank was, you. I think my second or third time seeing you. Um, and uh, it was awesome, man. It was good to see it live, you know, for sure. That was a that, that was a fun situation because it wasn't, you know, like 
like it wasn't like the improv, like the Bray improv or, you know, Ontario improv. It was a, you know, it's a nightclub that, you know, when I was on stage, it looks like those guys came from a Dodgers game and they were <laughs> almost talking the whole time. And then as soon as I, right as I was getting ready to wrap up, that's when they left. And I was like, Ugh. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, dang, really? Now you guys are leaving, but whatever, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Man. Well, Darren Carr, I know you're uh, short on time, man, but I'm um, super grateful you joined the show, man. And it, it was nice meeting you at the show. And it's I'm glad we're friends now, man. Likewise. Thank you. Keep in touch. And uh, I appreciate it. And yeah, get it out there and, and uh, good luck on the podcast. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hell yeah. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you, man. You got it. Thank you. Alternate take. This has been a great time. We'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our interview with the great comedian. Darren Carter. Thanks for stopping in, Darren. I really appreciate you, man. Um, it's one of those things where they say, don't meet the people you admire because, well, you run the risk of them being assholes. And that was not the case here. In fact, it was quite the opposite. So I appreciate you, man. And I'm um, glad to call you my friend. For all of you guys out there who are Darren Carter fans, I put all of his information in the podcast description, including his uh, information for his next spots, his tour dates, any information on his upcoming special and his podcast, the Pocket Party Podcast. And that's it, man. Um, again, like I said, I'll be doing one episode a week, as always. And every time I get to do an episode, it's a huge honor. So that being said, this is Alternate Take. I am your host. I am your leader, Danny Rodriguez. And I'll see you guys later. Peace. Peace.